Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. The truth is the most convincing story that maps onto reality. That's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. We see the central narrative for the fiction that it is. We are Americans. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Thursday, April 6th, 2023, the 806th day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release. The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at imyourmoderator.substack.com. You can do so for as little as $50 a year or $5 a month. And in doing so, you will be supporting me, the work I do, and this show as it expands. And if you can't, or you simply don't want to, continue listening to the podcast for free a couple of days later on a wide variety of podcast platforms. And of course, Rumble. All I ask is that you share it with your friends. You can find the links to the podcast, the writing, the social media, and the merch site by visiting linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. So as you may have noticed on Twitter, if you're on Twitter, or elsewhere on the internet or in mainstream media, the reaction to the Wisconsin Supreme Court race the other night, as we discussed yesterday, has been largely to dismiss any possibility of election fraud and immediately revert to blaming Ronna McDaniel and the RNC for not getting the job done there 
and then blaming Donald Trump in the process on the idea that Donald Trump actually supported Ronna McDaniel for RNC chair last fall. Therefore, any election failings from 2018, 2020, and 2022 are all Donald Trump's fault because Donald Trump has stuck with Ronna McDaniel as if it's his choice. And Ronna McDaniel has lost all those elections. It's not election fraud that led Katie Hobbs to win in Arizona or John Fetterman to win in Pennsylvania. And it can't be election fraud because people like Ron DeSantis and Brian Kemp and Greg Abbott, members of the GOP establishment, won in their states. So therefore, there can't be election fraud anywhere. It's an absolutely mindless argument and utterly ignorant of the indisputable fact that there is no way in the world that Joe Biden got 81 million real legal American votes. Anyone who believes that he did is either ignorant or lying. And we discussed yesterday how the burden of proof is not on the people claiming election fraud to substantiate it in ways that will be approved of by absolutely any detractor. The burden of proof is on the people making the utterly ridiculous claim that Joe Biden got 81 million real legal American votes from his basement when no one can check. The system is intentionally opaque and there is absolutely nothing from reality that could even suggest Joe Biden got anywhere near the most votes of all time, nor that the 2020 turnout could have increased 20 percent from prior presidential elections. The mass distribution of mail-in ballots and early voting don't get you anywhere close to that outcome. And if it did, why did they need all that extra time to get all the vote totals in? Why do they need to shut down voting in the middle of the night? Why do they need to change laws in states and then use lawfare to protect those illegal changes? It's because the only way for them to win was to produce an entirely impossible result. The fact that people believe it because they were told believing it is the default position by the television and by the mainstream media is not in any way evidence that it's true. And something I've noticed about election fraud deniers, especially on the right, in quotes, is that they've never really checked for themselves while still pretending to care the absolute most about the country. And you can tell that they've never checked for themselves because when they are arguing the case that Joe Biden got 81 million real legal American votes, they use all the same arguments as the left. Where is your evidence? Well, if you checked, you would know that the evidence is obvious, overwhelming and everywhere. The clearest evidence is that the system is complicated in ways that do not enhance the security or integrity of elections nor do they do the one thing that they are sold as being able to do, which is make our elections more efficient. We're two and a half years past the 2020 election, and there is still no reason to believe that Joe Biden could have possibly gotten 81 million real legal American votes. What they're doing is basically equivalent to police walking into a murder scene, realizing that the victim's body is shot through with holes created by different types of bullets from various guns and then refusing to call it murder until you can find the guns and the suspects and they are arrested and convicted. 
That's really making two separate things of one thing. There is the fact that someone was murdered and the fact that people were brought to justice for that murder. You don't default to the idea that this person wasn't murdered until you can find the murder weapons and the murderers. And of course, this may not make complete sense in the false reality because throughout 2020, we were told that deaths like that were COVID. But the point is, you don't need to actually diagram the entire system and show proof of each and every tiny bit of it to understand that there's no way Joe Biden got 81 million real legal American votes, which means something went really wrong with the elections. You can't just call it turnout. You can't just say that the people talking about election fraud are crazy. These people think that they are the smartest, the best educated, the most qualified to be able to judge whether or not there was election fraud, again, without checking. They're so smart that all the people who were actually censored and banned off the platforms where people would have discussed election fraud All the people who have devoted the last two and a half years to analysis and communication of what they find, those people are all nuts. Those people have all been confused by the media. They're all being taken advantage of. They themselves are frauds and grifters or duped by frauds and grifters. It's a completely incoherent argument, but how do they get there? And I've been thinking about that quite a lot over the last couple of years and over the last couple of days again. And it's interesting because these people think all of us are the ignorant ones. They basically take the left's assumptions about what the America First movement is, what MAGA is, what Trump supporters are, and they apply it to us. They say we're uneducated, we're ignorant, we're conspiracy theorists, we are cult members obsessed with Donald Trump, and we are Fox News viewers. Whereas they themselves, whose Narratives match Fox News in many ways, in all ways about election fraud. They're not Fox News viewers. They would never watch Fox News. But we do. We watch the corporate media and we get tricked by the corporate media. Now, on this show, I spend most of this time deconstructing mainstream media narratives to talk about the tricks they use to pull people back to the central narrative and keep them within that false reality. If there's one thing we don't do, it's follow the mainstream media. Now, are there infiltrators in the movement? Are there people out there making unsubstantiated claims in order to get attention, to get clicks, to get money from people who want to believe things that can't be substantiated right now? Of course there are. But that doesn't mean you throw out everyone else. And all of their claims. And that's exactly what they're doing. And here's what I think happens. I think that they are getting their understanding of what the election fraud issues are from seeing so-called election deniers going on Fox, where the Fox News hosts then try to make them look silly. They direct them into corners and make it easy for their viewers to discredit whatever election denier is on TV. So Fox News passively discredits whatever election denier it is, whether it's Rudy Giuliani or Sidney Powell or Catherine Engelbrecht or whoever. And that will discredit that person in the mind of the viewer, which discredits the entire argument in the mind of the viewer. 
How many times do you see a guest on TV say something controversial or that dissents from the central narrative? And then in the next segment, you have someone talking about how that person was totally wrong for this reason and this reason and this reason, or it's been debunked by fact checks in the Washington Post or factcheck.org. And those same viewpoints are suppressed on social media or censored on social media or the accounts discussing them are banned from social media. So for one of these people watching an interview with an election denier while the host, whether it's on Fox News or anywhere else, begins to passively discredit that viewpoint, they interpret whoever the election denier is as some avatar of the election fraud movement at large the reality of election fraud itself, they don't take that person seriously and they assume that the difference between them and us is that with our conspiratorial minds and our lack of education and our ignorance, we watch the same things they watch and we are the dumb ones who believe the election fraud denier who's on Fox News or another one of these networks and we just accept what they're saying as true. And that's it. And they made the proper discernment. We made the improper discernment. And that's the end of the story. They actually don't need to check when they check. Hey, was Sidney Powell wrong on Fox News? Well, then you get all sorts of articles about how Sidney Powell was wrong on Fox News. They accept those articles because they reconfirm what these people already thought. And then that's the new fact. They never actually checked the underlying information. They didn't figure out what the election fraud system actually was. And this is enough for them to not only discredit the person on TV, but the entire election fraud reality. And of course, all of us who they already think are stupid, because again, they're the very serious intellectuals on Twitter. You know, the people who never said anything that got them censored or banned. But that's not where we get our understanding of election fraud. We get our understanding of election fraud from actually checking and tracking these stories over time. We've been talking about election fraud on this podcast for two and a half years, not every day. Although I'm sure I probably mention the reality of it almost every day. But I think I've devoted a pretty fair amount of time to going through different processes of election fraud and really fleshing that thing out and showing how there is actually a system from the voter registries and the manipulations there to who gets sent all of these mail-in ballots and what addresses they get sent to, whether they're being sent out to people who simply don't exist anywhere but on the voter registry, their methods for collecting those ballots, the methods for filling out those ballots and adding them to the count, and then the problems and manipulations that come with the count itself and the reporting. Every element of the election fraud system has been open to fraud, and you can check and realize that for yourself and come to the obvious and logical conclusion that that system is designed to produce results like the one we got in 2020 and like the one, for instance, that Carrie Lake got in Arizona last fall. So while they're watching people explain why our elections are fraudulent on TV and they believe that person is being discredited, we know what that person actually has behind them in terms of the wealth of information, the overwhelming evidence of election fraud 
that they're talking about. And we see them go on TV and watch an intentional and coordinated effort to discredit them. Without any baseline understanding of the election fraud system, it's easy to watch an interview with an election denier and think, oh, yeah, well, I already know about that. That's not true. And this person, this person looks a little crazy. They'll bring up Sidney Powell and the Kraken as if Sidney Powell was lying about where the machines came from, where the software was developed and who owns it. Or Rudy Giuliani, remember the press conference where I guess it was his hair dye was dripping down his head because the air conditioning was killed in that room. All of a sudden, it doesn't matter. Any of the presentations that Rudy gave before state legislatures, all of the thousands of affidavits that American citizens filed with Rudy Giuliani, none of that means anything because they figured out that they could discredit Rudy Giuliani with all this other stuff. And then once he's not taken seriously, none of the rest of it will be. They watch someone be discredited on TV. They fail again to check for themselves. They read a couple of mainstream articles and fact checks that claim the election denier is completely wrong in every way about what they said. And not only wrong, but a grifter and a fool trying to overthrow our democracy or trick people for money. And then at the end, they confirm for themselves that, yes, we are as stupid and ignorant and easily fooled as MSNBC says we are. And in their minds, they're still the smart ones who aren't being fooled by the central narrative. Kind of brilliant in a totally inverted false reality, extraordinarily retarded way. And then naturally, once they do that, us being stupid will refute all claims of election fraud broadly, because, of course, they're the very serious intellectuals, best educated, smartest, best qualified. And we are the ones who are fooled by the TV. Now, I mentioned the clip yesterday of Robin Voss admitting to election fraud in Wisconsin, but saying that there was really nothing they could do about it. But I want to play it here because there's no way that people can deny election fraud happens in Wisconsin, and there's no reason to believe it's not still happening the same way it happened in 2020. Yes, the Supreme Court said they had to do away with the drop boxes. They said the drop boxes in 2020 were unconstitutional. That should have immediately invalidated all those votes and that election. And it's possible that in some sense it has. There are still court cases ongoing, as I said. Regardless, there's been nothing that's happened in Wisconsin that makes election fraud even difficult to achieve, as we can see. So here's the clip, and then I will tell you what I think might be happening and why it's going to matter in the future. Uh, it's not about growing the support. I mean, everybody has a right to present their case. Everybody has a right to petition their government. Um, I have heard from an awful lot of folks who have concerns about the election. I believe there were problems with the election. I believe that's why we have passed 17 different bills. We have the Gaiman investigation that I know is showing many of the issues that are there. The problem gets down to what's the remedy. There are some people who think that the legislature has the unilateral ability to overturn the election. We do not. Constitutional scholars like Rick Essenberg, Jim Troopas, Donald Trump's own attorney in Wisconsin said we do not have that power. Um, I still believe that today. Uh, what they spent much of the time talking about, uh, that's a private conversation, but basically they are trying to convince us of the fraud that occurred. I already believe there was fraud that occurred. 
the challenge is we now need to have an attorney general and a governor who will sign legislation and fight with us to make sure that the election in 2022 and 2024 is fair. We don't have the ability to unilaterally overturn the election. Just that can't happen. Do you think there was widespread fraud or just a few instances? Uh, I think there was widespread fraud. Um, and I think we are going to see more and more data that comes out as Justice Gabelin continues in his investigation. But it's up to the people of Wisconsin to decide who they want to lead their state. If they want to have Tony Evers and Josh Call, who have obstructed the investigation and a fair election in every way they possibly could, that's what they can vote for in November. I think we have a better remedy with candidates who will say that we'll pass election integrity investigation, election detection. Uh, we will pass election integrity legislation. We'll follow up on the findings from the nonpartisan audit bureau and will who have all found that there were problems. The Democrats still have not yet admitted that there were any issues with the 2020 election, and every investigation has shown there were many. So I think we should focus on the solution, which is a new governor, a new attorney general, the ability to have, as we move forward, solutions that can actually become law, as opposed to ideas, which again, are totally untested, never been done in the history of our country. We can't have a legislature decertify an election. Thanks, everybody. So again, that's Robin Voss, the Republican House Speaker in Wisconsin. He says there was fraud. There was widespread fraud. Their investigations are finding widespread fraud, but there's nothing they can do about it. We actually need to fix this election fraud problem through more fraudulent elections. That clip was from over a year ago, and there's no reason to believe that Wisconsin's election fraud problem has been solved. In fact, he told you how to solve it. That didn't work. Therefore, the problem hasn't been solved. So anyone going around and saying that election fraud could not have contributed to the Supreme Court loss in Wisconsin is getting something seriously wrong, and it is going to matter in the future. Now, here's the scenario I want to lay out for you. It starts here, okay? We began talking about this maybe a couple of months ago, addressed it a couple of weeks ago. I was tweeting about it, and I'm going to flesh that out a bit. But yesterday we got the news officially that Robert F. Kennedy files paperwork to run for president as a Democrat. This is CNN. Environmental lawyer and anti-vaccine activist Robert F. Kennedy Jr. has filed paperwork with the Federal Election Commission to run for president in 2024 as a Democrat. His filing was confirmed Wednesday by his campaign treasurer, John E. Sullivan. Kennedy will officially announce his candidacy on April 19th in Boston, his campaign said. The 69-year-old is the son of former New York Senator, U.S. Attorney General, and assassinated 1968 presidential candidate Robert F. Kennedy, and the nephew of late President John F. Kennedy, also assassinated by who? Oh, yeah, the CIA. Kennedy Jr. is a longtime vaccine skeptic. He has promoted discredited claims linking vaccines and autism and founded the anti-vaccine organization Children's Health Defense. He has also railed against the coronavirus vaccine and has criticized the federal government's handling of the pandemic. In 2019, three members of his family, his sister, Kathleen Kennedy Townsend, brother Joseph P. Kennedy II, and niece Maeve Kennedy McKean, forcefully denounced his anti-vaccine views in a Politico magazine op-ed, arguing that he was, quote, part of a misinformation campaign that's having heartbreaking and deadly consequences, end quote. And it's interesting, she says, heartbreaking, since the heart is the organ most attacked by these COVID vaccines. In 2022, 
Kennedy Jr. invoked Nazi Germany in an anti-vaccine speech at the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C. The previous year, Instagram took down his account, quote, for repeatedly sharing debunked claims about the coronavirus or vaccines, end quote. And the article goes on filling in more of the central narrative and more of the backstory. And CNN, of course, was not the only outlet to cover this within an hour of this announcement. The mainstream news was filled with articles about how anti-vaxxer Robert F. Kennedy Jr., declares he's running for president as a Democrat, anti-vaxxer, anti-vaxxer, conspiracy theorist, the whole thing. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. wrote one of the highest selling books of the last couple years, The Real Anthony Fauci, that not only exposed Fauci, but the pharmaceutical industry, our public health community over the course of decades, talking about medical experimentation on children and on Africans. It talked about the profit motives and the manipulations of the science in order to increase the power and wealth of the pharmaceutical companies. So it would be hard to make the case that Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is a stooge of the regime when he's going after some of the real key elements of that regime. Yes, he's a lifelong Democrat from a legacy Democrat family, one of the most powerful families in this country's history. Yes, he has been an environmental and climate change crusader throughout his career. We can disagree with him on a wide variety of issues, but he's with us on some important ones and he's going to be with us on other ones, I think. And that's the scenario I want to lay out for you. Going firmly against the regime on any of their major pillars means a lot more to me than whether or not he still participates in the climate hoax narrative. And here's why. So think back to 2015, 2016. It's Bernie and Hillary who separate themselves. They are the top two candidates. Hillary was seen to be such a shoe in that no one else even bothered running besides Bernie Sanders and I think Martin O'Malley. O'Malley left the field rather quickly, and then it was just Bernie and Hillary. And Bernie, in that case, despite his lifetime of communism and total incompetence and ineffectiveness, well, he became the anti-establishment candidate compared to Hillary, who some Democrats understood had a career of corruption and criminality. And again, that was the conspiracy theorist position back then discredited constantly by the mainstream media who were there to protect Hillary Clinton. She was going to be the first woman president. That's all that mattered. And Democrats were happy to fall in line behind that. And myself back then as a Democrat was in the same position. I was like, I can't vote for this Trump guy. These other Republicans are just bad. And Bernie Sanders is a career communist. So who are we left with? And Clinton seemed like the reasonable choice. That was very stupid of me. I understand. But the primary went along. It was clear that the primary was being manipulated in Hillary Clinton's favor. We got the DNC emails, which put hard evidence to that. And Bernie Sanders eventually got a book deal and a couple of houses after apparently 
promising never to mention these election problems again. And it turned out the same thing happened to him in 2020. But now we're looking ahead at 2024. And unless something changes drastically, which it might, Joe Biden will be the Democratic candidate for president once again. And unless someone like Gavin Newsom jumps into the race and really tries to win the primary, which I think is unlikely, but possible. Joe Biden is going to be stuck conducting a primary that he has no personal capacity to win, no record to run on against a anti-regime Democrat. And I know people might not buy that Kennedy is not part of the regime. And there's something to that. You might be right. Okay. I'm just saying, go along with this scenario. See if it makes sense to you. If you're committed to busting down the vaccine narrative, then the regime is going to be pretty mad at you. And they've been pretty mad at him the entire time. So Biden goes out there, old, demented, incompetent, unable to speak coherent thoughts, unable to make an argument, powerless in the international community, corrupt as all hell. People know the system was rigged for him in 2020. They know about the laptop. Again, they haven't incorporated all of that understanding into their worldview at this point, but they understand that all that stuff is real. There was a poll on CNN today that showed only 32% of the country thinks that Joe Biden should be reelected. I imagine it's probably far less than that, but project forward a year from now. And the best way to do that is by thinking about what this trend is. Where were we a year ago? How was Biden viewed then? How was he viewed the year before that? Biden's public reputation is not nearly what it was in 2020 when the media was able to affect public perception at its full capacity. While there are plenty of Democrats who want nothing to do with MAGA and America First and Donald Trump because they are still trapped in the false reality, still fully embracing that delusion, there is a huge chunk who do not want the establishment and they want someone like Robert Kennedy, who they think is going to fight for their values. A lot of people have woken up to the vaccine problems. Again, we were told that something like 80% of the country got the first round of the vaccine. The latest booster is 16%. That means that somewhere between 60, 65% of the country has realized that the vaccine is bad for them and was never necessary in the first place. That is an enormous issue. And a lot of Democrats have realized that as well. So let's think about what primary season is going to look like with Biden and Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Are they going to debate one another? How's Biden going to look during that? They were hiding Biden from debates with Donald Trump. And that is when they had a big chunk of the country thinking that Donald Trump himself was responsible for COVID. He was a conspiracy theorist. He was responsible indirectly for George Floyd and their summer of love. Donald Trump was the embodiment of absolutely every evil the Democrats could think of. Joe Biden was the serious man, the moderate candidate, the decent man. They wanted the adults back in the room. They hated Trump. And so Biden was the champion they needed for that time. They didn't care that he lied on the debate stage. They didn't care that he skipped one of the debates entirely because COVID, of course, all they cared about was that Donald Trump must go down. What's that going to look like with Robert F. Kennedy Jr. and Joe Biden? 
There's not going to be a hate campaign against Robert F. Kennedy Jr. They can call him anti-vax all they like. For every 10 Democrats you might find, I'm talking about elitist party of false decorum Democrats. There might be five people in that group that will call Robert F. Kennedy anti-vax and a conspiracy theorist. And the other five are likely to be like, come on, you don't really think that, right? Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is not a conspiracy theorist. Most of what he said, he's been right about. They're not going to be able to turn the hate movement on Robert F. Kennedy Jr. It doesn't even make sense. And I say this thinking about my mindset from back then, even when I was attached to the central narrative. RFK Jr. might be hateable from an establishment Republican perspective because he cares about the climate hoax and they care about his Democrat affiliations, but those aren't problems for people on the left. If they can't get him on the anti-vax thing, then they have no case against him and they can't get him on the anti-vax thing, especially not a year from now. Maybe when they were all crazy in early 2021 through that year, through part of 2022, maybe then they could direct the hate movement onto him and try to dispose of him. But that's not going to work a year from now. And so Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is going to be the people's champion within the Democratic Party. The people who are still trapped in that false reality. They don't understand MAGA. They don't understand America first. They don't understand Donald Trump. They're not going to be able to receive Robert F. Kennedy Jr. in the same way as they receive Donald Trump. And so he's going to be out there talking about Joe Biden's vaccine mandates and complicity with pharma. I would suspect he's going to be talking about the coordination between the military industrial complex and pharma. I can't imagine he'll be warmongering for the Ukrainian conflict or warmongering for a China Taiwan conflict or warmongering over Iran or North Korea or any of these other countries embracing the multipolar global order. And a lot of people find those aspects of Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s political outlook very attractive, particularly people on the left who are, again, still in the false reality, still asleep, still embracing that delusion. There's only so long that delusion can last, especially for these particular people talking about people in the party of false decorum, the social incentives are what's keeping them in the mindset they have. They don't know about the issues. They can't explain their positions. They just know that they will be punished if they say the wrong things. They will be rewarded if they say the right things. And until that incentive structure changes, they're going to stay there. But Robert F. Kennedy Jr., changes that incentive structure. He makes it possible for Democrats, serious Democrats to go out and say, yeah, I think he's right about the vaccines. And I think he's right about this and this and this and this. And to get in response from other Democrats, that's crazy. You're a conspiracy theorist. Why are you being a science denier and a vaccine denier? They're not going to be having any of that. They're not going to have to deal with the social backlash of saying, I support Donald Trump that many of us dealt with in 2020. Can you imagine some massive democratic movement against Robert F. Kennedy Jr. in favor of Joe Biden? I really can't. There are people who support the establishment enough to make that argument, but at some point they're going to be laughed out of the room. 
And so Robert F. Kennedy throughout this primary will very likely destroy the vaccine narrative for the left and for the regime forever. And he is going to have some serious populist appeal by those Democrats who are sick of the establishment. They believe what they believe because they're told to believe it. They're incentivized to believe it and they're punished for not believing it. But once it becomes okay to say the no-no words, well, they will say them because they already believe the no-no words are true. These are not people with the courage to speak their mind under any circumstances. These are people who will say what they need to say, even if they know it's not true because of the social calculation within the party of false decorum. So RFK Jr. builds a populist movement that is opposed to Joe Biden as the avatar of the regime in the Democrat Party. Well, then what happens? Are they just going to turn the reins of the Democrat Party over to Robert F. Kennedy Jr., the anti-vaxxer, the anti-pharma guy, the anti-military industrial complex with pharma guy? Of course they won't. And so what are they going to do? Well, they're going to rig those primaries to make sure Robert F. Kennedy Jr. can't win. And they'll do it in broad daylight, just like they do it the rest of the time, like they did last fall to Kerry Lake. And when they do that, what are all those anti-establishment Democrats going to do? They're going to wake up and realize, oh, hey, this happened to us with Bernie in 2016, but we didn't care that much because we had to prevent Trump. And then this happened to Trump in 2020, and we didn't care at all, of course, because we had to make sure Trump was gone. But now this has happened to us in 2024, and we're going to get stuck with Joe Biden another four years of this creepy old demented pervert who is a laughingstock on the world stage. They're telling us we have to vote for this guy, even though we already voted for the other guy. No way. And they will reject that out of hand. And at that moment, they're going to understand that we weren't lying about vaccines. We weren't lying about election fraud. And two of their most critical pillars of the central narrative will crumble before the eyes of the nation. You want to know how to snap these people back to reality? Show them a people's champion in Robert F. Kennedy Jr., and then take it away from them in the same way they take things away from MAGA. And guess how all those people will feel? They'll feel exactly as we feel. And all of a sudden, the false reality just begins to drop away. And they find out, no, we can't trust the regime about the elections. And we can't trust the regime about the vaccines. In fact, we can't trust the science about the vaccines. And they pushed this all on us. They mandated it on us. And we have denied it as our friends get injured, as we've lost our jobs if we didn't want it. And then at some point, even the foggiest little child brain that still exists in the minds of less and less redeemable communists at this point begins to open up and they say, huh, what else have we been lied to about? Could it be climate change? We were trusting the science on climate change, but now we know we can't trust the science. So what are they doing with this whole climate change thing? Is this the same thing they're doing with the vaccine thing? Telling us that we're all going to die 
unless we do what they say, unless we continue to hand them more control, more power, more of our money. And again, think forward a year from now. What's the financial system going to look like? What's inflation going to look like? What are the conflicts around the world going to look like? What is the American power projection in the world going to look like under 2024's version of President Biden? Here are the premises, right? The regime controls the election system and decides the winners. I think that that has been pretty well proven. Robert F. Kennedy has a natural base of support within the Democrat Party And a whole lot of people who look to him as an authority and a champion because they know that they were lied to about the vaccine. Again, 80% down to 16% for the last booster. People have realized the vaccine is bad. He's going to make that case publicly against the guy who mandated the vaccines. The guy who kept COVID going for literally over three years now. And there's absolutely no way they're going to let that guy win. So Kennedy runs. He has a populist base in the Democrat Party. They can't direct the hate movement against him. He will destroy the vaccine narrative. And if they rig the election, that will destroy the narrative about how our elections are safe and secure. Now, on the other side, you have Donald Trump trying to beat back the GOP establishment at every turn while they try to undermine him. This whole draft Ron thing that's popped up, that's not going to stop. Whether or not Ron DeSantis actually runs, that movement and that operation is going to shift its focus wherever it can to make it seem like Donald Trump cannot possibly win. Because knowing that they can select the winner, all they need to do is supply a narrative about how that's possible. Make people hate Donald Trump. And these ongoing narratives about his legal problems are part of that effort. There's the Stormy Daniels thing. There's the Georgia thing. There are the special counsel things. There's no problem for Donald Trump in any of those things, but the narratives will be used to discredit Donald Trump over the next year. They're going to drag it out for as long as they can. We heard Cash Patel talk about it yesterday. Do you think the GOP establishment won't be desperate enough to rig the primary elections against Donald Trump? I'm not saying that they definitely will. I don't know how the future is going to go, but that is absolutely a possible scenario. We are talking about a regime in existential crisis who will literally do anything and do it in broad daylight, thinking that they can get away with it. We've seen it over and over and over again. So what happens if they rig the primary and get rid of Donald Trump? Is Donald Trump just going to accept that loss and go away? Well, of course not. And neither will his supporters. There will immediately be a push for Donald Trump to run as a third party candidate. And in that scenario, you could see Donald Trump selecting Robert F. Kennedy Jr. as his running mate, because Robert F. Kennedy Jr. will be aligned on many of the issues, not all of them, and they will be the most important issues. Trump supporters don't hate Robert F. Kennedy Jr. People have their doubts, their disagreements, all of that. But even people on our side who have our perspective think that Robert F. Kennedy Jr. has been doing heroic work in battling back the vaccine industry. And if I'm correct about what's going to happen in the Democrat primary, then he will have destroyed two narratives that the Democrats cling to that Trump can't destroy for them. 
And both of those narratives are explicitly anti-regime narratives. So at that point, if I am right, they will be closer to us ideologically than they will be to the Democrat establishment and the Republican establishment. And what's the Republican establishment currently doing? Well, they're running the DeSantis simp operation. You've got people like Kurt Schlichter on Twitter just directly saying now that the Republican establishment will not court MAGA at all because they don't think that they need Trump supporters. They believe they're going to push their guy through and then we'll have nowhere left to go. They're not working against the regime. They're working for the regime. They are the regime. And that's true regardless of where things with Ron end up. If Ron doesn't run, if he comes out and endorses Donald Trump, they will switch to another option and support that option. These guys are obsessed with holding power in the GOP relative to us. They're not our friends and they're not some big powerful force in American politics. They just have their hands on the levers of aspects of the Republican establishment and they only care about protecting that. So if they care about protecting that so much that they would steal the primaries from Donald Trump, which is possible. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm not saying it's better than a 50 50 probability. I'm just saying it's possible in that scenario. We have Trump exposing everything he's exposed, fake news, the big tech companies, virtually every system of power within the regime. And by that point, virtually all of the deep state, including the Republican establishment and the Democrat establishment. And we have RFK Jr. doing the same thing on the opposite side, ridding Democrats of their attachment to the idea that vaccines are very safe and effective and the pharma companies are their heroes and COVID was all worth it. And he destroys the idea that our elections are safe and secure in a way that Donald Trump never could in the eyes of these people. And what do we have? We have a mass of still sleeping Democrats who begin to wake up and understand that the system really is the problem and it really is necessary to fight back against it. Well, they can't do that with Robert F. Kennedy after the primaries have been rigged to get rid of him. And if they see the same thing happening on the other side to Donald Trump, they will immediately understand, oh, that's what all these people have been saying. They're not crazy. All of it was not crazy. We're seeing the same thing done to Robert F. Kennedy Jr. that got done to Donald Trump. And we were part of doing that thing to Donald Trump. This is what those people have been talking about for the entire time. And whichever of those people still have some redeemable character remaining, well, they're going to become activated in wanting to fix it and immediately they become more valuable partners to us in what we're trying to accomplish than the GOP establishment is. I will gladly trade all of the Kurt Schlichters in the world for Democrats who have just realized that the system is trying to destroy the country. The same thing that has happened to so many people, myself included, that used to have that mindset is going to happen to all of them. Once you realize it's the system, it's not the parties, it's not Democrat versus Republican, it's the uniparty against the people, it's the regime against the people. They will immediately distrust all of it, and at that point, they can lose 
the climate hoax narrative, there won't be any substantial reason to cling to the climate hoax narrative once they understand they've been lied to about everything else. In fact, we're already seeing that process develop without RFK Jr. running. A year from now, what is that going to look like? So if you want to destroy all the pillars of the central narrative, everything that the regime has worked so hard to build, he's the guy that can do that for all of them. And at that point, everybody, all of the Trump supporters, the anti-establishment populist America first right is going to look a whole lot more attractive. I've talked many times about how I don't think the goal of any of this is unity. In fact, I think the goal is a sifting to make sure that people who are supporting the regime are exposed and then dealt with. Unity doesn't come from compromising our values with enough people so that we can seize power. Unity comes from proving our case and finding a position that other people can rally around based on their own principles. And despite the delusions, the embrace of the false reality, and as much evil as these people have supported in order to avoid the obvious realities of this world, they still believe that their actions reflect their principles. When they find out that they have been entirely misled, they will no longer be happy to subject their principles for the purpose of winning to benefit the very people who have misled them. At that point, there is unity available. These people will literally be brought to our position by Robert F. Kennedy Jr. He's going to act as a gateway drug for America first to still sleeping Democrats. And I am suggesting that perhaps that group of people is going to be more valuable going forward than the people who are ostensibly on our side, yet still supporting the regime that is causing all of the problems. And here's another thing. A lot of people on both sides talk about how the political parties are a problem. Well, what happens when there is a third option that happens to be more popular than both of those political parties combined? Well, maybe we just don't have political parties anymore. Political parties aren't some necessity. We want people who are going to be America first and abide by the Constitution and act on principles to bring good results for the people in as free a society as possible with as limited a government as possible. And we will know pretty soon whether or not the situation I've just described is plausible. If Robert F. Kennedy comes out and he begins his campaign and that campaign is not about tearing down Donald Trump or blaming Donald Trump for the vaccine, we're going to know something's up. There is a real possibility that Robert F. Kennedy Jr. could do for Democrats what Donald Trump has done for Republicans. We don't need the parties. We certainly don't need the party apparatus. What we need are good Americans who actually care and want to make things better. And they're not corrupt or corruptible. They just want to serve the people. Those are the sorts of people that we can debate and that we can deal with and that we can try to find at least enough common ground to rid ourselves of the regime and save this country. And here's an example. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. on Monday on Twitter. 
The collapse of U.S. influence over Saudi Arabia and the kingdom's new alliances with China and Iran are painful emblems of the abject failure of the neocon strategy of maintaining U.S. global hegemony with aggressive projections of military power. China has displaced the American empire by deftly projecting instead economic power. Over the past decade, our country has spent trillions bombing roads, ports, bridges, and airports. China spent the equivalent building the same across the developing world. The Ukraine war is the final collapse of the neocon's short-lived American century. The neocon projects in Iraq and Ukraine have cost $8.1 trillion, hollowed out our middle class, made a laughingstock of U.S. military power and moral authority, pushed China and Russia into an invincible alliance, destroyed the dollar as the global currency, cost millions of lives, and done nothing to advance democracy or win friendships or influence. Now, that just took me about a minute to read. Skip back one minute, listen to all that again, and think about whether or not you could see Donald Trump writing the same exact tweet. I would argue that you absolutely could. And none other than General Michael Flynn quote tweeted Robert Kennedy's tweet yesterday. He said, I could not say it any more clearly. Robert Kennedy Jr. analysis is as spot on as it gets. And neocons exist in both parties. This below, along with the complete destruction of our domestic landscape, including a rotten public education system and unrelenting Southern invasion of our border, the scourge of illegal narcotics with it, horrific human trafficking an overarching broken and corrupt federal government and a healthcare system that few trust anymore. 2023 will experience financial and health challenges alone like the U.S. has not experienced in a century or ever. There are solutions. Paying greater attention to your surroundings and getting involved in your communities are among them. So there is nothing misaligned between Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s position and Donald Trump's position. Trump could have published the same post. Michael Flynn jumps in in agreement and expands on RFK Jr.'s position. So there is no misalignment between RFK Jr. and Michael Flynn, no misalignment between RFK Jr. and Donald Trump. And we understand the alignment of Michael Flynn and Donald Trump. Our goal is not to defeat our fellow citizens. Our goal is to defeat the regime. And the way we do that is by finding more of our fellow citizens all the time who want to defeat the regime. And RFK Jr., according to that tweet, according to the anti-vax fight, and some other issues, and just generally the way he carries himself and the way he is inclined to speak truth to power gives a strong indication that he wants to defeat the regime as well. So if he premises his campaign not on going after Donald Trump and blaming Donald Trump for the situation we're in, if he focuses on the vaccine thing and then the Democrats rig the elections to make sure that he's not the nominee, we are going to find ourselves with a whole lot of allies we never expected. And they will be loyal, not to us, not to Donald Trump, and not even necessarily to Robert F. Kennedy Jr. They'll be loyal to the cause that they now can see 
and understand. And that cause is important because ultimately this is not just all about politics. It's not about defeating the rhinos and then winning the 2024 election, especially, by the way, if elections are still rigged at that point. People watch them rig the Republican primary. People watch them rig the Democrat primary. A third party comes together with Trump and Robert F. Kennedy Jr. And then people watch them rig the general election. You think anybody is going to have any doubts about whether or not election fraud is real? Of course not. And Michael Flynn wrote an article in the Western Journal yesterday where he touches on some of these greater challenges. A new nuclear level threat has emerged and we don't know how to counter it. That's the headline in the Western Journal. The landscape of warfare has evolved significantly over the past century as conflicts shift from armies and soldiers on physical battlefields to the digital realm focused on the civilian populace within a target nation. AI driven psychological programming has emerged as a potent weapon with the potential to inflict lasting damage on a nation akin to the devastating effects of a nuclear bomb. In the context of fifth generation warfare, where the focus lies on manipulating public opinion, exploiting societal vulnerabilities, causing internal strife in a target nation, shaping public perception and influencing the belief systems of children and the perceptions of individuals within institutions and agencies, Psychological programming becomes a critical component in this new era of digital-based psychological warfare. And that lays it out right there. If you haven't checked out Michael Flynn and Boone Cutler's book, Introduction to 5GW, Fifth Generational Warfare, you should because this is what they discuss. And the argument I'm making is that Robert F. Kennedy Jr. can break down the psychological programming of the still sleeping but otherwise well-intentioned members of the left. As artificial intelligence continues to revolutionize industries and transform the way we communicate, work, and live, the national security threats and ethical concerns associated with its misuse grow as well. Foreign-born, AI-driven, psychological programming refers to the use of AI technologies by our foreign adversaries, such as the Chinese Communist Party to manipulate, influence, or control the thoughts, emotions, and behaviors of individuals or groups of Americans. While this can sound like science fiction, it's not. And now we sit at a precipice, attempting to get past our individual cognitive dissonance and face the threat. We are short on time because this bomb has already detonated and bigger threats are getting closer. This type of programming is being employed to undermine our way of life manipulate public opinion, incite fear or hatred of each other, and even control political outcomes. It's the silent and unseen tool that amplifies polarization and division within our society. Given the increasing sophistication of AI technologies, it is crucial for the U.S. to establish comprehensive legislation to protect its citizens from harm caused by foreign-born AI-driven psychological programming. Like a nuclear bomb, the impact of unchecked foreign-born AI-driven psychological programming is a devastating blow to American society. It's far-reaching and deeply destructive. Both weapons can dismantle the very fabric of society, albeit through different means. A nuclear bomb causes widespread physical destruction, while AI-driven psychological programming erodes trust, destroys families, fuels division, and manipulates the public's thoughts and actions to accept an unwanted new normal. 
The insidious nature of psychological programming may make it harder to detect, but the cumulative effects can be just as damaging to a nation's social cohesion and stability. One of the key similarities between a nuclear bomb and AI-driven psychological programming is their long-lasting impact. In the case of a nuclear attack, the fallout includes radiation contamination, long-term health consequences, and environmental damage. With AI-driven psychological programming, the fallout is subtler, invisible to most of the senses, but equally persistent with long-lasting damage. The erosion in trust in institutions, the amplification of social divisions, and the manipulation of public opinion for the strategic gain of our adversaries. Often, these effects cause the destruction of a nation from within. Either way, both are used to destroy a nation, and both are weapons that deserve our immediate attention. This is the most effective weapon of the digital age. Fifth-generation warfare emphasizes non-physical dimensions, such as cyber and information warfare, to achieve strategic objectives. In this context, AI-driven psychological programming becomes the perfect weapon. It allows foreign actors to infiltrate the target nation's digital sphere and exploit its vulnerabilities to achieve their goals. By manipulating social media, spreading disinformation, and employing micro-targeting techniques, adversaries can subtly shape public discourse and opinion without ever setting foot on the battlefield. And you have to admit that the proof of this, though on potentially a smaller scale, is everywhere. Imagine the COVID narrative without the influence of social media algorithms driving censorship. Would George Floyd and the summer of love have ended up in the same way without those algorithms driving censorship and directing the public conversation? What about mail-in ballots? What about vaccine acceptance? What about the insurrection? What about the stolen elections? Without the censorship by algorithm, None of that would have worked. And the algorithm is more of a control mechanism. The AI that General Flynn is discussing has a creative aspect where it can produce what people were producing within the same bounds supplied by that algorithm. It's an added layer to what we were dealing with prior and a more powerful layer at that. Back to General Flynn. Have you wondered why everything seems so crazy and it's everywhere? Riots and cultural changes within institutions and agencies, including the Department of Defense, have all occurred through weaponized AI leveraged by foreign powers. Another form of AI-driven psychological programming is the use of micro-targeted algorithms to personalize propaganda. Social media and other platforms use AI algorithms to determine which content is displayed to an individual based on his online activity, behavior, vulnerabilities, and associations. And I have been talking about that for years, having worked in social media and having been a target of censorship myself. This can be used to influence an individual's beliefs and attitudes by exposing them to only certain types of content and suppressing others. Foreign entities use this method to spread false information or propaganda, cause anxiety and radicalization, or to manipulate public opinion. All of this is amplified by geo-tracking through cell phones and data collection. Attributing responsibility for an AI-driven psychological attack is far more challenging than identifying the source of a nuclear bomb. 
The use of AI powered deceptive techniques can obscure the origin of the attack, making it difficult to hold the responsible parties accountable. This anonymity enables aggressors to continue their campaigns with relative impunity. Given the increasing sophistication of AI technologies and the potential harm caused by foreign born AI driven psychological programming, it is crucial for the U.S. to establish comprehensive legislation to protect its citizens from these threats with regulation that stops our adversaries, but allows us to develop and deploy AI technologies that enrich our society. Foreign born AI driven psychological programming has emerged as a formidable weapon in the arsenal of fifth generation warfare. It wreaks havoc on the social, political, and psychological fabric of our nation. Although the methods of attack differ, the devastation caused by foreign-born AI-driven psychological programming causes lasting damage to a nation's core. As we navigate this new era of digital-based psychological warfare, it is crucial to recognize the gravity of the threat and devise strategies to counter and mitigate the impact of foreign-born AI-driven psychological programming. The first steps are awareness of the situation and comprehensive legislation to protect American citizens from these nuclear level threats. By staying vigilant and proactive, we can preserve our way of life, social cohesion, and the values we hold dear in the face of this new and insidious threat to our nation. Now, I'm not sure if I share the general's optimism about what we can accomplish legislatively in any kind of short term outlook at all. We will see. Maybe Kevin McCarthy can push something through the House. I imagine it's probably dead in the water in the Senate and unlikely to be signed by the fake president. But the narrative push will be substantial. I do, however, love that end part. He's talking about staying vigilant and proactive to preserve our way of life and social cohesion. Social cohesion doesn't come from us backing down in a conversation or even an uncomfortable conversation, a confrontation, and it certainly doesn't entail us backing down from our principles. Social cohesion is a product of the effectiveness of the psychological programming. When the psychological programming is strong and effective, then we have social cohesion within the false reality. When the psychological programming drops away, we can find social cohesion within the empirical observable reality. And at that point, we can move forward. My suggestion is that it's possible, at least, that Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is the gateway drug for all of those sleeping people still in the false reality that destroys the psychological programming and brings them to a place where they are able to unify in reality because we are certainly not going to find that with the people on our side who aggressively defend the regime by rejecting the most basic and obvious truths like there's absolutely no way Joe Biden got 81 million real legal American votes. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic, and Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. If you're listening to this episode for free, you can support me and support the show and the work I do by signing up for a paid subscription at I'mYourModerator.substack.com. 
You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month. Comes out to under a quarter per episode, and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. The merch store is www.cancelcouture.com, and you can find everything else by heading to Linktree. Linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. And I'll see you soon out on the range. was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm Your Moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'mYourModerator.substack.com. The merch site is CancelCouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!